Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. A pleasant hello and welcome to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Got a fun episode on tap this week. My guest today is Matt Cardos, the assistant managing editor over at Pinstripe Prospects and their beat writer to cover the Somerset Patriots for the 2021 season. Matt has been covering the Yankees minor league organization since 2012, with the majority of his experience at the AA level, and has been with Pinstriped Prospects since 2015. I'm going to get to our chat in a moment, uh, because there are a lot of fun nuggets in there regarding the Yankees organization, uh, who are some good bets to play in Somerset this season, and what fans can expect regarding rosters and transactions now that the Patriots are a AA organization. But before we get into that interview, a couple of housekeeping measures to go over. First, the day that this episode will air on the voice of Central Jersey 1450 WCTC will in fact be Major League Baseball's opening day, which is so exciting to say. The New York Yankees host the Toronto Blue Jays in the Bronx with a 1.05 p.m. first pitch in a game that will more than likely be over by the time this actually airs on the radio, but that will not temper our excitement at all. We've finally made it back to baseball season, friends, and it feels better than ever. Also, this episode will air on WCTC a couple of hours before our big reveal of the new uniforms that the Patriots will wear for the 2021 season. You're going to want to make sure that you head over to our Facebook page at 8 p.m. Thursday night, April 1st, which is the night that this airs on WCTC, to get the first glimpse of our new on-field gear. But I'm sure that a good chunk of you will have seen the jerseys actually by the time that you listen to this podcast. Uh, so I hope that you enjoy them. But all right, enough of that. Let's get to our interview with the assistant managing editor over at Pinstripe Prospects and their 2021 Somerset Patriots beat reporter, Matt Cardos. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz. We've got a special guest for you guys this week. We've got Matt Cardos from Pinstripe Prospects. I can promise you he knows a lot more about the Yankees organization than I do. So I'm excited for this conversation. Matt, thank you so much for taking some time today. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Mark. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for, uh, for thinking of me and having me on your podcast. I've, uh, I've been listening. Love the, love the work that you're doing and uh, honored to be on here and uh, talk some baseball with you. Well, I appreciate that, Matt. I know we got a chance to connect. Uh, whoa, what was it? All the way back on, uh, well, I guess the news broke for the Yankees partnership with the, with the Patriots back on November 7th. And I think we met for the first time at that uh, ballpark right, right. Uh, announcement on, on the 10th. So it's been, uh, it's been quite the last couple of months. How's everything been for you? Yeah, everything's going well. Obviously it's been a long winter, um, snowy days. Glad, glad those seem to be behind us. And, uh, it, it seemed like that was so long ago and that baseball season was so far away and fast forward to here now today, we're just a little bit over a month away now from opening up here in Somerset, 
opening day for the big leagues are obviously here by the time this year airs today. Um, so um, baseball's here, baseball's in the air, and uh, it, it's just a good time. It's uh, obviously with the the pandemic last year, we we didn't have minor league baseball. Other, other you guys had the short little uh, season in Somerset, but for the most part, the world hasn't had minor league baseball for quite some time. So I don't think we'll ever take for granted the opportunity to uh, be in a ballpark or even work or cover or announce a game ever again, just having that long layoff. So it's definitely, definitely good to have that atmosphere going again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right now, I'm actually in the broadcast booth at TD Bank Ballpark. So I'm looking at the screen, I'm looking at you, and then I see, you know, the field uh, being set up and the, you know, the grass is starting to get greener. We've got a lot of construction and renovations going on. It's an exciting time, man. And, and we're very excited to have you covering the team this year. Uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I want to go back, Matt. So we mentioned November 7th was the day that uh, it was announced by the New York Yankees that the Somerset Patriots were their new AA affiliate. But I want to backtrack a little bit further past that. Uh, so you've been covering, well, I should plug who you are. Uh, you've been covering the Yankees since 2000, and, well, covering the Yankees organization and covering right. specifically the Trenton Thunder since 2012. You're with Pinstripe Prospects, which is a great online blog to follow all things New York Yankees minor league system related. Uh, and this is going to be your seventh season with Pinstripe Prospects. So you're the expert here. I, I want to go back before November 7th, uh, covering the Trenton Thunder. There started to get some wins during the summer of 2020 that there might be some movement towards potentially the Patriots becoming a double-A affiliate of the Yankees. Uh, can you walk me through what that news breaking and, and what the vibe was that summer from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, obviously there was no season last year, but I had when spring training was going on last spring, I had, I had gotten wind that just that the Yankees were considering potential moves all over the place, much has been reported by you guys and that um, not just for one affiliate, possibly multiple affiliates. So you didn't really know where, how the deck would be shuffled, especially with all the minor league baseball realignment that's occurred. But I did, I did catch wind that the Yankees were open to moving around and shuffling affiliates. Um, and I, I got word of, of that around last spring sometime. And then it kind of went quiet for a while. Obviously the shutdown happened and things kind of go on the back burner. And I, I didn't really hear much about it. But then as the summer went on and you get a little bit closer to the fall, you start to hear a little bit here, a little bit there, but really, really nothing conclusive. But it felt like the Somerset uh, fire, if you will, started kind of sparking a little bit more than it had been previously. Um, up to the point where it got announced. I mean, I wasn't really sure, but it just seemed like as the weeks and the months went on, the momentum towards a move to Somerset felt like what I was hearing and the people I was talking to was a lot more real than maybe it was last March or April. Um, but still, nobody really knew. I was until that infamous Baseball America piece dropped on that Friday night um, after the election that, that this thing was going to happen. Um, I've obviously, like you said, covered the, the previous AA affiliate down in Trenton since 2012. Um, I, I was pretty excited about the move, maybe a lot more than a lot of other people, because logistically, I, I live right by Bridgewater. Uh, I live right outside of Bridgewater and Hillsborough, which is about an eight-minute drive uh, to the ballpark for me. And my full-time job is directly across the street from the ballpark. So to get there after work takes me two minutes rather than driving an hour plus to get to Trenton. So for selfish reasons, I, I couldn't have been more elated for, for just my own purposes and being able to cover the team in a lot more 
easy manner and, and getting to the ballpark and to and from. Um, so my, my initial reaction was I wasn't surprised, um, but it obviously as, as the summer went along, it, it felt like it was a little bit more real, but we didn't really know for sure until that, that announcement dropped in November. So from your perspective, what was the reputation of the Somerset Patriots like? I, I, I've asked a couple of people this and, you know, the Patriots were in the Independent Atlantic League and it's sort of a different world to uh, the affiliated world and, you know, the AA Eastern League at the time, now AA Northeast League. So the rumors start to drop a little bit about the Patriots potentially being an option. And so I'm curious what the reputation was of Somerset and how those initial rumors uh, were received when, when talked about in, in your minor league circles. Reputation from Somerset is like the gold standard of independent ball. I mean, I, I think you guys were like the Yankees of independent ball. Uh, I think that's how highly people thought of you and the operation that you guys run, um, the facility, uh, just the winning culture, um, the continuity, lack of turnover. I mean, you see that in a lot of minor league franchises where especially you're, you're covering a team and you get to know uh, the scorekeeper, you get to know the ticket people, the vendors, all that, and then you come back the next year and they're all gone. There, there are a lot of them are seasonal. Where I think it's it's pretty unique in the Somerset organization that in the little time that I've gotten to know some of you guys over there and chatting with you and the other Mark and a lot of those guys over there. Um, but it, just listening back to your podcast, the first couple of episodes, when you introduce everybody's been there for 16, 17, 18 years since the inception. And I think that goes a long way and just speaks to how serious of an operation that it is that Somerset runs. And I didn't even realize that that was the way it was until I, I kind of got thrown into this mix and, obviously I'm going to be around Somerset a lot more than I ever have been before. Um, but I've, I've nothing but a good reputation. I've obviously been to that ballpark as a fan. Um, and it's, it's, it's an impeccable ballpark. The, the field as, as Brian Cashman has said, it's, it's major league caliber. Um, just, just the continuity I think sticks out and the, just the lack of turnover and the investment that that ownership has made into now bringing this thing even to the next level. And, the commitment to make this a world-class facility for the New York Yankees and the future, future major leaguers that are going to go up to the Bronx. Um, I think it was already a great facility run by great people, but I think now it, it's just a chance to go up another notch and now show the world what maybe you and your inner circle has known for a couple of years that, Hey, we're, we take this seriously and we are a top notch minor league facility and a minor league operation now it's a chance for you guys to show to the whole world. So um, reputation has always been really impeccable, at, at least anything that I've heard and I've seen. So the product on the field this year will, of course, look a lot different. Uh, we were always proud of the level of play in the Independent Atlantic League, where you have a number of guys that have Major League Baseball experience, uh, a number of guys that are playing at a high level, at a high double-A or triple-A level, and get their contracts purchased, uh, and then eventually go back to a Major League organization. This year, of course, is going to be a lot different than that. Uh, you're going to have a, a, a lot of a younger talent pool of players coming through. These are going to be prospects that are on the rise, not necessarily late 20s, early 30s, that guys that had experience at a relatively high level. Uh, so what can fans expect for the quality of play that they're going to see now on the field different to what they've been used to with TD Bank Ballpark in previous years? I think the quality of play, honestly, isn't, as dramatically different as a lot of people think because the quality of play that you saw in Somerset previously is probably triple A at the worst double A caliber play 
a lot of those guys that were playing in, in the Atlantic League previously had already made it to double AA, A, triple A, a lot of them even to the majors. Um, so I don't think the quality of play really is going to be different, but the amount of different faces shuffling in and out on a daily basis is probably going to be the biggest change that you'll see. Just because the way minor league affiliated ball works is that obviously the Yankees control every face that is in that clubhouse and on the field. And so say on a Tuesday night, they have an injury in the major league level or one of their bullpen guys has to go four innings and he can't pitch for the next three days. Any, any really corresponding move that that major league team makes usually is a domino effect to every other affiliate because if they have to pull a guy up from Scranton to go to the bigs, then Scranton has to pull a guy from Somerset to go up to Somerset, and then Somerset will have to pull a guy from Hudson Valley. To go. So, and that could happen. You could have that five different players in one day go up, go down, where, wherever the case may be. So a lot of it is a, a game of shuffling. Um, uh, I remember one season where there was like 185 different roster moves or something, something crazy like that. It's just at the double A level. Yeah, it's it's really it's hard to sometimes even keep track of who's there and who's not anymore because that's how frequent the roster moves happened. Obviously, with COVID happening now, I don't know what the logistics of everything is going to be. It's still so new to everybody, um, and obviously they had the alternate site last year with no baseball, uh, no no affiliated ball. So. It's essentially what they did last year. If somebody got hurt, they pulled somebody from the alternate site, but you didn't really have to replenish the alternate site with anybody. Now that minor league baseball is going to be back, um, the faces are going to change. But I think the exciting thing is that you know that eventually some of these guys, obviously not all of them, but a small portion of them, um, you're going to get to see the highly touted guys that the Yankees like, other organizations like, their high draft picks or um, international signings that got a lot of money, <clears throat> excuse me, and brought a lot of hype with them. Um, so you're going to get to see those guys in Somerset in your own backyard, and um, you're going to get to watch them develop and move along with them. So as time goes on, you say you got to watch a guy for 40, 50 games in Somerset, and then it's not uncommon for guys to go to the bigs from double A. I've seen that happen plenty of times. So there's a potential that if a guy's pitching well or, or doing well and they need an arm, they could pull that guy right from Somerset. They, you, don't, you don't have to necessarily climb the ladder uh, and go low A, high A, double A, triple A. Sometimes they go right from double A or triple A. So um, you're going to be watching minor league players. Um, in, in my previous time, obviously covering the last affiliate in, excuse me, in Trenton, I, I got to cover Aaron Judge, Glaver Torres, Gary Sanchez. Um, Greg Bird, who obviously has, has moved on now, but Luis Severino, all, all these guys now that are headline guys, they come through the AA affiliate. And so now that Somerset has a chance to step into that spotlight, you're going to be able to see that next crop, this next generation of, of baby bombers come through Somerset and eventually make it to the Bronx. So I think that's, that's super exciting for the fans that are going to be able to come out to the ballpark and, and see potential major leaguers and not, not too far after they leave there either. Can you expand upon that a little bit? Because that, that was one of the things I, I wanted to ask you about. Um, I think fans might have a hard time conceptualizing sometimes the level of talent that's going to be coming through here with some of these top prospects and how quickly they're going to have an opportunity to get up and, and be playing at the major league level, be playing at Yankee Stadium, and become a household name for baseball fans in this area. Uh, so in your past experience and, and then looking towards this year, you kind of touched upon it a little bit already, but how quick can a player from Somerset be playing at Yankee Stadium with this new partnership? 
extremely quickly. Um, it, it, it's obviously all prospect dependent. And obviously now this, I could have a whole hour conversation about you now. My, my biggest curiosity is, is going to be how aggressive are the Yankees going to be in moving players now that they've missed a year of development for a lot of these guys. So where the, maybe a guy is 22, 23 and should be at double A where, where we are now, he missed that year and has only played at low A now. So do they start the guy at double A or do they go right to high? A? Like it, so there's so many factors I think that are going to be different than what they normally would be um, at least moving forward. But in, in previous times, I mean, I think Aaron judge, when I covered him in 2015, I don't even think he was in Trenton for a month before he went up to AAA, and by that summer he was in the bigs and made his debut. Um, Glaber Torres, I think, spent 40 days in AA before he went to AAA, and then he was in the majors before the end of that month that he went up to AAA. So he didn't really spend a, t- a lot of time at AA or AAA. Um, they, they can move super quick. If, if a guy starts the year in Somerset here in May, again, I don't know how the things are going to move now with COVID and the lost year of development, but Obviously, if we're starting a regular year in April, let's say, if you start a year in April, a guy's hot, gets moved up to AAA in the middle of May, maybe by Memorial Day, end of May, lights it up in AAA for a month. I mean, those guys could be up in the bigs by July. No question about that. Um, that that's how fast they can move. Well, I think the, the alternate training site and how everything worked last year, it adds a wrinkle, like you said, that, that we haven't really been too accustomed to in previous seasons and you know some of the guys that were at that alternate training site and specifically one guy who I'm about to get to who is the only confirmed guy that we know will be starting the season in double a is right-handed pitcher Luis Heal a top prospect by Baseball America Uh, Baseball America has him ranked as the number four prospect in the Yankees organization MLB pipeline has him at number five Um, a hard-throwing righty he was at the alternate training site last year where he got to work with some top coaches in the Yankees organization. Uh, he had previously in 2019 pitched single A level uh, for the Charleston River Dogs with now Somerset Patriots manager Julio Mascara. Right. And he's the only player so far that has officially been assigned to the double A level here in Somerset. So with Luis Heel now in the fold, what do you know about Luis? What can you say about him? What can fans expect to see uh, from a guy who's pretty high in the Yankee prospect rankings that's going to be starting the season here in Central Jersey? Yeah, well, like you said, he's a hard-throwing right-hander. He's, he's pitched in some spring training games at the major league level. Just the other day, he struck out the side uh, in a big league game. I think it was against the Tigers. He struck out the side in the inning that he got. And um, I think there was that first round, that first overall pick, uh, Spencer yeah, Torkelson. Yeah, Spencer Torkelson, yep. Yeah. Uh, he was among that group of guys he struck out the side on. Uh, I, I think the Yankees view him probably as their top pitching prospect internally in terms of guys that really haven't pitched. Not, if, if you exclude Davey Garcia or, or Clark Schmidt, guys that haven't already got up there, I think the Yankees probably view him internally as their top pitching prospect. Um, and so that, that's gotta be exciting right off the bat in your inaugural season, you're getting the top arm that the Yankees view in, in their opinion, that that's going to tow the rubber at TD bank ballpark, probably on opening night, I would assume. Um, obviously I haven't seen him pitch cause he never made it up to double a when, when I covered that level, I just know what I've heard about him. Um, he, he probably has the best projectability of that that young crop of young pitchers that the Yankees have in terms of frame delivery velocity. 
Um, he probably has the least amount of concern um, or, or probably, I, I would say he probably has the highest floor of, of that, that group that we're probably going to see in Somerset this year, that highly touted trio of, of young pitchers that they have. Um, it's just a matter of that. And that's what you find out at, at, at this level, particularly in double A is it really separates the, I'll never forget one time Brian Cashman was down in Trenton and he had a press conference in the first year that I was covering that team. And he, I learned something from him and it was just a, a random quote, but he said, double A level is the level that you separate the prospects from the suspects. <laughs> and so you really find out what guys can do at this level. Uh, if a guy can't pitch in this level, this is really where you learn pitch ability, how to pitch backwards, how to be aggressive, how to go up and out, out of the zone, or maybe go into certain guys where at that lower level, obviously what used to be the Florida state league, but is now the high a, whatever you want to call it before you get to double a East or high. Right. Right. Or something I forget. <laughs> it, yeah. It's so hard to get used to the names <laughs> now, but a lot, a lot of guys, the especially the highly touted guys, you could get by with your just your fastball in that league, and be fine. You could dominate. You make all star teams. You go up the prospect rankings, but you can get by with a fastball and okay secondary stuff. But once you get to Double A, the hitters are just as good. They've figured it out as well, and so they know they know how to hit the fastball now. By the time you get to Double A, so you can't get by with just the fastball in Double A. You'll get you'll get creamed, and so this is where you figure out. Oh, I really need to work on my my third pitch. I need to work on my slider. I need to work on my hook um, because you could, you could have a 102 mile an hour fastball, but if it's right at chest high, the guy's going to, it's going to get parked onto the railroad tracks behind the ballpark. <laughs> um, so this is really where pitchers, particularly they have to work on, they, again, they work on pitchability and just how to kind of use the mental approach to pitching it. That's, that's where that stuff becomes more important. So by the time you get to triple A, you're really just harnessing it all, but you really learn this and develop this at the double A level. And that's why that's so important for this crop of pitchers that's going to be here in, in Somerset in 2021. Well, let, let's talk about that crop of pitchers because, you know, we don't know exactly who's going to be here in Somerset. I mean, we're recording our conversation right now on, uh, on March 31st. Of course, opening day for Major League Baseball is tomorrow. It's the day that this is going to air on April 1st. Right. So there's still a lot of the, the minor league version of spring training to, to work through. But there have been a couple of players, high, highly regarded pitching prospects in the Yankees organization that have been assigned uh, specifically to Hudson Valley. So I want to get your take on, on some of the pitching depth in the Yankees organization. Uh, you mentioned a trio. I, I think some of the names you might be referring to, Alexander Vizcaino, uh, Yoendris Gomez, Luis Medina, uh, those are guys that are consistently in that like 7 to 10, 7 right. to 11 range in the Yankees prospect rankings. Uh, Seems like a lot of those guys are ticketed to start either in Tampa, low A Tampa, or in, or in high A Hudson Valley. Uh, what, are, what do you know about those guys? And do you think that there's a chance that they could join Luis Heal and form this really strong starting rotation in Somerset at some point in 2021? Yeah, I mean, those guys probably won't start in Somerset if, if that's exactly where the Yankees want to ticket them, either in Tampa or Hudson Valley. But I think by summer, a lot of those guys, if not all of them, could be uh, in Somerset. But again, a lot, of, a lot of factors go into that based on the year of development and what happened last year and how aggressive do the Yankees want to be in moving these guys. Do they? Because those guys, particularly Medina and Vizcaino, they, they pitched at the alternate site last year. Um, so what do, the, what do the Yankees know about their performances there that maybe 
scouts or the organization or, or anybody else on the outside hasn't seen from them? What did the Yankees see from them that maybe the, the rest of the world hasn't seen? Maybe their velo ticked up a tick or two up there, or maybe they altered their delivery there and we haven't been able to see that. And obviously minor league spring training is just getting underway now. So nobody else has seen them either. So we, we really don't know. Um, but if those guys are ticketed for those lower levels, um, I think there's a good chance. I mean, it's so hard to say with the, with what happened last year, where, where guys are going to start and where they're going to finish just because it's all a matter of what the Yankees strategy is going to be in terms of developing these guys. Um, Medina, from what you hear, arguably has the best stuff in the system. Um, I know Josh Norris of baseball America. He, he raves about him. I, I, um, down in Trenton, Josh Norris used to cover the, the thunder years ago. Now, obviously does great work for baseball America. I know he, he loves the stuff from, um, Medina. Obviously his problem is control and it's going to be a matter of harnessing that, but I would think you'd probably want him to have a better idea of his control before you move a guy like that up to this level, because without it, again, <laughs> you're going to get clobbered. Um, but that's obviously going to, that, that's the strong suit of the upper levels right now. And the depth is pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a ton of highly touted uh, offensive prospects uh, that are really ready right now that are going to be in Trenton, uh, excuse me, in Somerset. Um, just because all of the, all of that depth is really at the lower levels. Uh, guys like Austin Wells and, and Josh Bro and, and all those guys. Um, a, lot, a lot of those guys are still a little bit ways away. But I think you could see maybe a, a Brandon Lockridge or a Josh Stowers, um, who were pretty high high picks back in I think 2018. Um, they were previously with um, I think they're they maxed out at Charleston the last time that they played. But they're older guys, college bats. Um, Stowers, fast guy. Uh, he actually came over to the Yankees in in a trade with Seattle for Shed Long uh, prior to the 2019 season. So he's only been in the system one year. Um, I think he was a first-round pick, if I remember correctly, though. So he was a pretty big prospect with Seattle. Uh, and he had a pretty good year um, for Charleston the last time he played. Um, so I think you'll see guys like that um, on the offensive side of the ball. But it's it's really just a numbers game. And the Yankees have so much depth, um, at least organizationally. I wouldn't say that they're top prospects, but there's just so many bodies. And it's just a matter of where they want to plug these guys. But in, in If you talked to me two years ago at this time of the year, I'd probably be able to peg, I think Donnie Sands will probably be here as the catcher. But it's so hard to peg where guys are going to start because of the lost year of development. And some of the guys that went to the alt site, what did they see from them? Do they feel like that was good enough to move these guys up a level? And so there's just, there's just so many balls up in the air. Um, to figure out where where they're going to land come May 4th. Is it fair to say that at this point, the Yankees organization's strength is really with the younger guys that have more projectability that might start the season, you know, either in Instructs or in, you know, with low A Tampa? And, and that we, well, I should say that Somerset might not bear the fruit of a lot of this Yankee organization's strength for, you know, maybe one or two seasons. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair to say because a lot of a lot of that upper level depth that they did have at one time where two, three years ago, the Yankees probably had the top system in all of minor league baseball. They've either graduated to the big leagues or they've traded them and, and they've moved guys because um, you got, you got to give to get and the Yankees have made some moves 
Obviously, the Yankees traded a few prospects just a couple months ago in the Jameson tie-on deal that some, a couple of those guys probably would have been ticketed for Somerset. Um, and so as, as you make moves to improve the big league roster, you do have to sacrifice those pieces at the minor league levels. And so, like I said, the guys up in the big leagues now, Tyler Wade and, and Glaber Torres and Miguel Andahar, um, guys like that, that they were all prospects two or three years ago. Now they're contributing every day at the big league level, obviously that, that pulls your number one, your number two, your number five prospects and takes it off your list. And then obviously you only replenish that through the draft at this point. So when you draft a guy in 2018 and then you lose a year in 2020, he's still behind, he's still far way away. He hasn't really developed yet. And so I, I think that's, that's a perfect way to put it. I think they're, they're, the guys that you hope are going to bear big fruit for you are probably a year or two away from maybe getting to Somerset. They're, they're not going to be there now. Obviously, the one everybody wants to talk about is Jason Dominguez. That was my next question. <laughs> yeah, we could, we could just well, segue no, into no, that. By, by all means, because, I mean, we, we both laugh when, when his name comes up because, you know, as a media person here in Somerset, the amount of times that I see something posted about Jason Dominguez or The Martian, you know, it, it's, it's through the roof. Every, everyone is so excited about it. Um, I already know, you know, some people in our organization try to talk to potential season ticket holders and partners. Everyone wants to know when is Jason Dominguez going to be playing at the ballpark across the street from Target? That, that's, that, <laughs> the, that's target where, the target that you never find baseball cards at. That's true. <laughs> I've, I have heard that. Um, so every, everyone wants to know when Jason Dominguez is going to be in Somerset. Our anticipation is that it's likely not going to happen this year considering he hasn't right. played a professional game. Uh, what are your takes on Jason Dominguez's trajectory, and when do you think is a fair estimation on when he could be playing in Somerset? Right. So, like, I've never, and I've been covering the system for 2012, I've never seen a prospect this hyped in, since 2012 anyway. Like, Aaron Judge wasn't this hyped. Glaber Torres was pretty hyped when he got to double A, but, like, nowhere near this especially for a guy that's never had a professional at bat yet it's it's pretty remarkable so it just has to tell you that obviously I'm not a scout I'm not a talent evaluator I'm I'm more in the business of writing what I see and talking to people who do know what the hell they're looking at um, but everybody who knows what they're looking at says the tools are there and that everything is there for this guy to be a, a generational I don't want to put the car like hall of fame caliber type talent. If, if he does what he should do and, and harnesses all those tools and puts it together. Um, but the fact of the matter is, like you said, he, he hasn't had a professional at bat yet. And so I think they're going to move him pretty slowly, but I mean, who's to say if he doesn't explode and, and tear up where, wherever he's going to start that they don't move him a little bit more aggressively, but I don't, I, like you said, I can't see any scenario whatsoever where he's in Somerset this year. Um, I think the earliest you would probably see him is sometime next year. Um, but even then, I don't know that he'd start the year there. I, I think your probably earliest ETA on him would be the summer of, what the hell's next year, 2022. Um, I, I would think that would be the absolute soonest that you'd see him. But again, just my opinion, now that I said it, He'll be there. <laughs> He'll be there a lot sooner than I think. I'm sure, but um, just just the trajectory and and the lack of experience at this point, and it's just a matter of how he performs and how aggressive the Yankees want to be with him. But 
I'd be shocked if he was in Somerset any sooner than next summer. I think that would if, – if he's here before then, then – He's doing get, something right. Yeah, he's doing something right, and you're going to have trouble keeping inventory of tickets. <laughs> well, yeah, we, uh, we're already anticipating, you know, if he does get here in 2022 when the anticipation is that we're going to have full capacity in this ballpark again, and, you know, Jason Dominguez has four at-bats in his Manning center field every night in Somerset, that's going to be a pretty hot ticket in this area uh, yeah you know, I, I would imagine that he'll play at some point for Tampa this year uh, do you think it's fair to say that he might be able to make it up to Hudson Valley or maybe they just keep him in Florida for the entire season and then figure out the more northeast New York New Jersey uh, locations next year uh, I, it's hard to say I, I wouldn't be like floored if he touched Hudson Valley at the very end of the year um, but I think that would be like super aggressive like as aggressive as you can get like spends two weeks like I I can't picture him getting like a hundred at bats at Hudson Valley or anything like that like I think that would be the absolute most aggressive play is him cracking there but again I think I think sticking in Florida is probably what at least I would do and what I think they'd probably do Um, but I, I can't say that it's out of the question either Again, it's it's all a matter of what the Yankees' thoughts are on, in terms of being aggressive or not. And obviously, it's, it's going to be up to him, too. I mean, he gets to the complex and he could really can't hit anything. And then, then you got to pump the brakes a little bit. So, But if he gets there and he hits the cover off the ball, then maybe like, oh, well, he, he is a real deal. Let's, this isn't a challenge for him. Let's, let's move him here. Let's move him there. And so I, I guess I wouldn't say it's out of the question, but I think that would probably the, be the absolute most aggressive that it could get. And, he maybe touches there by the end of the year. So we, we've discussed Luis Heel, who's going to start the season in Somerset. Jason Dominguez, uh, who we expect to stay in the lower levels of the Yankees organization. But in, in terms of other prospects, uh, you know, looking at these, these top 30 lists and, and all these different conversations online, I know you mentioned before, Matt, that it's hard to project who's going to be in Somerset. But are there a couple of names that you think Patriots fans should just be on the lookout for? that, you know, once minor league spring training begins, a couple of names that, you know, if they perform very well, maybe there's a possibility they start the year in AA. Like I'm looking at somebody on a position player side, maybe like Ezekiel Duran. Is he a possibility? Mm-hmm. I know Floreal is going to start in, um, in Scranton. He was assigned to the AAA level. A lot of people around here are excited about Anthony Volpe, but I don't know if he's going to yeah. be the Jersey guy. Welcome I don't guy. know if he's going to get here this year. Uh, so are there a couple of names, whether – pitching side or position player side that that Patriots fans should be on the lookout for? Sure. Uh, I actually made a list of a couple of them that I think might, I don't know if they'll start here, but I think you'll definitely see a bunch of these guys here. Um, On the pitching side, I have a a guy like Glenn Otto, who's who's a top 30 MLB pipeline guy. Um, Jansen Junk, one of the better names in the system. Uh, (laughs) Sean Semple, uh, JP Sears, uh, and obviously, I have. I think I think you're going to see Vizcaino and, and Medina here. If if not to start, you're you're going to see those guys um, not too far after. Uh, offensively, I have a guy like Wilkerman Garcia that I think you'll see here. Uh, Donnie Sands, uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, and uh, Isaiah Isaiah Gilliam, um, outfielder, um, who got a cup of coffee in uh, in Trenton before uh, 2019 ended. So I think those are some names that you should be looking at. Obviously, Donnie Sands, I think at catcher, will probably be here. Um, so I think those are some names that I would look out for that I just kind of have pegged that 
should either probably start there um, or, or be there shortly there after the season starting. But again, I, I was just kind of looking at the depth in the minor league system yesterday um, before knowing I was going to come on here and, and talking about this. And they, they honestly have too many bodies for the amount of spots that they have to fill. So you always do have sometimes before the season that crunch where they do release guys. Um, some of the veteran guys that are now 28 and really aren't a triple A, but aren't a double A guy and you just end up releasing them. So there are a couple guys like that floating around that, that may get, get released or something like that before the season starts. Um, but it's just a matter of where, where the Yankees want to peg guys and, and how aggressive they want to be. But I think, I think those guys are a pretty good bet that you'll, you'll see them um, wearing the Somerset blue and red here uh, coming up pretty soon. Well, let's talk about the guys that are going to be coaching those potential players. Uh, Julio Mascara was announced as the third manager in the history of the Somerset Patriots organization last week. I got a chance to speak with him uh, on the podcast. Seems like a great guy, genuine, and he fits the mold. And, and, of course, you know, the Yankees assign coaching staffs uh, to Somerset these days. The Patriots are no longer uh, in charge of filling out their own coaching staff. But it's interesting because Julio seems to – line up well with the history of managers that the Patriots have had uh, seems like a like a player first manager really great guy loves the community loves interacting with fans uh, what have you heard because he was managing for Charleston for a couple of years in 2018 and 2019 uh, and was supposed to be the manager uh, for double a trend in 2020 had there been a season uh, so what have you heard about Mascara and what can fans expect to see out of uh, out of him being the Somerset skipper this year yeah, definitely a fiery guy, but a player's first guy. Um, has, I think he just kind of, he's kind of a guy that commands respect. Uh, he's, he's one of the longest tenured coaches in the Yankees system at this point. Um, he's, he's been around the system for a while. Uh, I know my good friend Rob Pimpsner, who actually runs Pinstripe Prospects, he co- he's covered Staten Island, who's now defunct, but um, Julio previously managed there, and he had a pretty good relationship with Julio. And, and Rob raves about Julio and says he's one of probably the best manager that he's ever covered. Um, he just, he has the respect of the players, um, but he's down to earth. Like he, he understands what it's like to be a minor leaguer and understands that the grind, it's a grind and you're not going to go out there and have your, your best day every single day. But obviously the job of a manager is to keep that level head and, and keep a player not too high, but not too low either. And he's really good at, at just keeping players present and, and in the moment. Um, so I know players have, have really commended him for that. Um, I know going back, uh, I, I shared it on Twitter not too long ago, but Gary Sanchez, who's now the Yankees catcher, raves and swears by Julio for the work that he did helping him on the defensive side when he was in the lower levels, um, just having him work on his defense. And obviously he's, he's come a long way. He still has some work to do, but Julio, Julio has spent a lot of time with him when he was at the lower levels. And it's pretty cool to see an all-star caliber catcher uh, at the major league level uh, commending a guy that really he's quite a few years removed from even working with. Um, But still now after all the accolades that he has, he still looks back and, and, and thanks Julio for the work that he put in to help him get to where he is. So that's just the kind of guy that, that Julio is. And it's, it's funny though. I, I will say, just for fans, this is, it's funny that you've been around for this long and this is only the third manager in <laughs> the history of the franchise, but much like the players shuffle in and out that a lot of times that's how coaching works too. And 
they will move not not in season obviously but moving beyond you could have a different manager every single season if that's what the organization wants to do and so obviously you, you hope to have the commodity and get to recognize a face but that that is how coaching staffs in the minor leagues work as well and a lot of times they try to keep coaching staffs with the crop of players that they're with and they'll kind of gradually move up together um mm. you, you've seen that in the system so like you alluded to this crop of pitchers that we think are going to be here in Somerset, they they were with Julio the last time that there was minor league baseball. Now Julio's here. We think a lot of that crop is going to be here now. And so not to say that's just not a coincidence or anything, but it does work like that a lot of times. They will progress a good eight to ten guys. That's a crop that's this next wave. And a lot of times they will move coaches up levels or down levels depending on where those guys go. So um, that that's not an uncommon thing to see as we have this huge transition out into affiliated ball where it's a whole new world and, and things change in the blink of an eye. But just to uh, just to look out for that, obviously, in the years moving forward, that there, there could potentially be more managers here the, in, in the years moving forward. But staying in the present, yeah, um, Julio, I think, is – is a great guy for this gig. It's obviously the highest level that he's going to be managing at now. Uh, he's previously only managed at the lower levels, So this is going to be his first time in the upper levels. And uh, I think fans are going to enjoy just kind of watching the passion that he brings and uh, the investment that he has in the players. He's, he's really a, he's a really a player's first guy for sure. Well, let's talk about the rest of his coaching staff and, and specifically, you know, this is going to be a larger coaching staff than the Patriots are used to. Uh, they have a new pitching coach and Daniel Moskis who, Actually used to, he was a former first round draft pick, a fourth overall pick by the Pittsburgh Pirates, but he's pitched at TD Bank Ballpark as a member of the Lancaster Barnstormers uh, in the Atlantic League, both in 2015 and 2017. Last time he was here, he earned a win. Uh, so he's going to be, he's going to be the pitching coach, uh, the hitting coach, a New Jersey native, Joe Migliaccio. Uh, I do want to give you an opportunity to talk specifically about Joe, because I know that you just had uh, an exclusive interview with Joe that fans can go to pinstripeprospects.com to find so uh in your conversation with joe how did that go and how can fans have access to your full interview yeah well yeah like you said up on pinstripeprospects.com we do have an exclusive there with joe um i actually did not do the interview my our okay. our, our editor uh ricky keeler actually had that conversation with joe but i did talk to ricky about it obviously if you want to go you go to pinstripeprospects.com uh, and check that out it is subscription based at the moment but um, if you put in promo code CARDOS, K-A-R-D-O-S 2021, you can get a seven-day free subscription. Uh, if you want to go check it out, see what we're all about, and if you like it, feel free to purchase a dugout membership. <laughs> but if you want to just check it out for a couple of days, read the article, see what else we got on there. Um, we have writers at all of our – every affiliate. We have video content, scouting reports, and we're really one of the only sites on the web that has a, a dedicated writer at every affiliate that, that brings content, photo, video, all that good stuff. Um, so if you like what you see, you can go ahead and you'll get that same content throughout the season. Um, but we will have stuff that is not necessarily behind a paywall um, that you'll be able to check out game recaps and some features and everyday updates and stuff like that. Every night we usually do a roundup and just kind of recap the top performances of every player that had a good night in the system and we'll highlight those. Um, but yeah, feel free to check it out, pinstripeprospects.com. One of the really exciting things about this season that sometimes gets lost is not only the players that the, the Somerset Patriots will have as Yankee prospects, but some of the other guys 
with these different organizations that are going to be coming through Somerset, that are going to be playing at TD Bank Ballpark, top prospects for a lot of these Northeast organizations like the, well, the New York Mets, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies will not be here this year, uh, yeah. but the Boston Red Sox uh, with their team up in Portland, um, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, the AA affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays, who just a couple of years ago, you know, had a roster of like Kevin Biggio, uh, yeah. Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which I'm sure must have been a lot of fun to watch yeah. them play in Trenton. Uh, yeah. So what's, what can fans expect out of some of these other top prospects coming in? And is there anyone in particular or any team in particular that you're excited to see in the 2021 season? Yeah. Um, <laughs> God, where do I even start? I know, I know Toronto is pretty loaded right now with, with arms. Um, obviously, that group of guys that you just alluded to is, is gone. I, I will do you one without even naming anybody right off the bat. I could just tell you that you will see guys, like much like we've – been talking about guys that are going to play for Somerset are going to make the big leagues guys that I've seen come through Trenton previously I mean I've seen Manny Machado get called up like the day after he played in in Trenton previously I've seen Michael Conforto get called up the week after he played in Trenton to the Mets and never make his way back um but if I had to name a guy I again I don't think you'll see Torkelson on the Tigers uh, you think there's a chance that we could see somebody like uh, Adley Rutschman on the Bowie base. Bowie, I think that's possible. Again, depends uh, where everybody how aggressive they want to be, but he's definitely a guy I think you'll see. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of guys that are going to be coming through as Yankees. A lot of guys that are going to be coming through with all these different organizations. 2021 at TD Bank Ballpark is going to be a season unlike we've seen before, but somewhat similar to seasons that you've seen before, Matt. So thank you so much for taking some time. I want to give you one last opportunity. If any of our fans want to follow your coverage, your content on Pinstripe Prospects, tell them where to go and how to find it. Yeah, if you want to follow me specifically, you could go to uh, Twitter. I'm pretty active there with player updates and, and stuff going on with the affiliates. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at Matt Cardos, M-A-T-T-K-A-R-D-O-S. Um, or you could go over to pinstripeprospects.com. Um, some of our content is behind a paywall and subscription-based. We do have a lot of cool free content that does not require a subscription. Um, so if you want to get that stuff, a lot of exclusive interviews and audio content. Um, we put out a podcast every, uh, every week um, where we, a lot of times we'll have special guests and stuff like that. Um, you can go there. Uh, if you want to pick up a dugout membership, please do so. Uh, we would appreciate it. Um, if, right now, if you, uh, if you put in coupon code CARDOS, K-A-R-D-O-S, 2021 uh you could pick up a free seven day subscription just to check it out see if you like it uh and if you like what you see go ahead pick up the dugout membership and you'll get that same same uh exclusive content all season long i was gonna let you go but i we're having a zoom call right now and i see all the jet stuff in your background so quick you're joe douglas you have the number two pick in the draft zach wilson trey lance justin fields are you trying to trade out which i don't think they're going to do at this point but who are you taking uh they're, they're we're going wilson <laughs> all right uh, if if i'm joe douglas though i trade back and i roll with sam i i think the picks would be too valuable to i think that i i still like sam i really do i'd like to see him with uh, a competent coaching staff and support around him i think he can still do well and i i don't really love this crop of quarterbacks necessarily but again i'm not joe douglas so what they're going to do is they're going to take wilson but if it were me, I, I'd be super interested in the trade back in rolling with Sam. 
well, we're going to have interesting conversations this summer, Matt, in regards to the Patriots. And now we're going to have some interesting conversations this summer in regards to the Jets. Again, that's Matt Cardos, the Somerset Patriots beat writer and assistant managing editor for Pinstripe Prospects. Matt, thank you so much for taking some time today, man. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate you having me. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My thanks to this week's guest, Matt Cardos, over at Pinstriped Prospects, uh, for joining the show and providing some great insight into what the 2021 season here in central New Jersey will look like. Uh, last quick bit of news to touch on before we go. The Somerset Patriots have announced that there will be a limited amount of single-game tickets that are available for May games only uh, that will be put up for sale. So you're going to want to go over to the team's website for more information on that as soon as possible. I know a lot of you have been asking when single-game tickets will be made available. So now we have that answer. It will be on Monday, April 5th at 10 a.m., be ready to go on that date. A fair warning, be ready to go on that date and at that time because we expect that the limited amount of tickets that we have available will be sold out extremely quickly. But that's all I got for this week. We'll be back with another episode of the pod next Thursday. So enjoy the beginning of the Major League Baseball season and have a pleasant weekend, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and WCTCAM.com every Thursday night from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.